Hello, I'm Mr. Movies of the Famous. Hello, I'm Mr. Movies of the Famous Film Twitter.com, and this is the Mr. Movies Podcast. I wanted to do uh, with you guys is I wanted to go through at least like the last 10 movies that I've done on this podcast uh-huh. because oh. I, I want you guys to notice a trend that you may be breaking. Uh-huh. Uh, let's, let's hear it. <laughs> uh, glad, glad to uh, do so. <laughs> it goes Chinatown and you were never really here mm-hmm. followed by Leviathan. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Followed uh-huh. by Akira Kurosawa's Ram. Great movie. Followed course, by yes. Run Lola Run. Yeah. The Texas uh-huh. Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, classic. <laughs> Midsummer. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Sure. Southland Tales. Southland Tales, great, great, underrated, great flick. The Thin Red Line. Uh huh. Easy right. Rider. Prince of Darkness. Sure. Cool. And you guys are making me do Johnny Mnemonic. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And what's what's the I don't understand. Is, is there a problem here? Yeah. It seems like ten great movies, right? <laughs> I'm talking... It's just a continuing streak. Yeah. Masterpiece after masterpiece. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, so Johnny Nam 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 Nick, the, the, a word that shouldn't exist, given the consonants uh, that come after I each mean, other. I mean, you just ignore the first M. It's just mnemonic. <laughs> it is a near-future cyberpunk dystopian thriller full of a bunch of surprisingly well-known names uh, acting like they're in a high school uh, like theater production. Uh-huh. Uh, right. None, none of them were guaranteed to be good actors going into this, including Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Especially <laughs> that, Keanu Reeves. Yeah. They, they, they kind of act like they're in like a school play about how not to... Uh, this movie got a crazy amount of replay value, um, sort of like that Quarantine movie, or Soderbergh's Contagion, or Outbreak with Dustin Hoffman. Because of its extremely minor adjacency to the coronavirus, like, damn, this shit takes place in China and and someone's sick? My, 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 my life a movie for real. Well, and, um, as we are going to discuss, uh, as we work through the plot of the movie, I would say it's more than extremely minor because there's something uh, <laughs> there's something I would argue is, is extremely prescient. And and for me, one of the things, and, and Arlen, I, I think you're probably in the same boat as me. That like one of the things I find so fascinating about this movie is, uh, so it's it takes place in 2021. The movie came out in 1995, so it takes place now. And in some ways, their prediction of the future is, is miles off, like couldn't be further off. And then in other ways, it's just incredibly prescient to the point where you think they had like a time machine and are exactly predicting what's happening today. Well, the, th- 
the thing is, this was written by William Gibson. William Gibson is, is kind of like the, the father of the cyberpunk genre mm -hmm. in general. Uh, he adapted this from his own script. The thing about William Gibson's writing about computers is he didn't he didn't really use them or understand them too much. So uh, it is kind of like I like to <laughs> like I like to liken him to kind of uh, he writes about computers the way uh, a comic book artist Rob Liefeld draws anatomy. That is such uh, a good comparison. I know exactly what uh, you mean. <laughs> are you talking about Busty Captain America? Yes, Busty Captain I mean, that's America. That's exactly what I'm talking about. I'll explain what I what I mean to uh, normal people. Yes. Uh, he's basically he's an artist from the late '80s and early '90s. Uh, that's known for, like, a flashy presentation. Uh, everything looks cool until you start actually, like, looking at what is being depicted and you realize that everything is all wrong. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's kind of how Gibson writes about computers. He was basically writing about, like, the internet and stuff and uh, had never used any of it. Uh, he, had to, he had to use the internet to promote this movie. Uh, and he was, like, <laughs> bitching about it the whole time. He was just like, well, this is inefficient. This sucks. <laughs> yeah. where, where, where's my helmet and gloves that makes me a CGI man? That's exactly that gets what I was to just going to physically reference. grab a block. <laughs> it's so, like, I feel like Gibson is probably the pioneer of representing the internet as like this weird physical space. Like a lot of that seems to come from his stories, where it's like you're transported to this weird neon cyber dimension where you're flying right. through space and there's glowing blocks everywhere. Like, a lot of that Wait. stuff in this movie. <laughs> Wait, William Gibson, is that the guy who wrote Neuromancer? That's right. Yes. Uh, this is actually, uh, in ways this is supposed to be kind of a, a prequel to Neuromancer. Uh, the character uh, in this, played by uh, what, Dina Meyer is her name, I believe. She's in Starship Troopers. Yeah, yeah, Dina Meyer, yep. Yeah, uh, that character was originally uh, a character straight from Neuromancer, but uh, they, they rewrote her because they were trying to option Neuromancer separately <laughs> i had no idea <laughs> that's that's wild so the funniest thing about neuromancer to me i've made my way through the audiobook i actually have like a distinct memory of when i was listening to it was when we were repainting our house and i was getting paint on the top of my head from painting the ceiling <laughs> while i was listening to it and um i remember like there were two things that stood out to me about neuromancer well like I, I, it's, it's a phenomenal book it's really really good but the two things that were that stood out to me is like one, he clearly wrote himself into the story as a guy who has more sex than any guy in the history of humankind. We, we've oh, all, we've seen it a lot. Yes, the the self standard yeah. science fiction thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the second was. He gets, like, a lot of modern technology right. You know, like, the Tempur-Pedic body, like, morph-to-your-body stuff. Mm -hmm. right. But, like, the one thing that he couldn't predict was the downfall of the payphone. Like, yeah. all throughout that book, a guy is, like, running away from somebody trying to kill him, and he's like, he he runs by, pulling every phone off the hook in his local payphones. <laughs> well, we saw it's that like, even, even, in, uh, even in Johnny Mnemonic, because remember there's the point where he, like, say, takes yeah. the phone card and he hacks the the, the video payphone? There, to... There's specifically AT&T payphones <laughs> all over this movie. Yeah. Like, there's AT&T branding all over it. It's so funny. funny. Because, like, I, I've said this on the show maybe a thousand times. I'm sorry for anybody who's had to hear it more than once. But, like, there's, like, a quote that goes, like, good sci-fi doesn't predict the car. It predicts the traffic jam. Uh -huh. And William right. Gibson spends his entire life just trying to predict the car. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. He gets a lot of the traffic jams uh, correct, I will say. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, but uh, way way too much time on uh, you know the the dazzling digital worlds, definitely. Yeah. He, <laughs> I'm just imagining, <laughs> just like uh, just asserting how right he was about the payphones by having like the main character fuck someone against one. He's like, no, these are staying. In my world, AT&T is the only thing that made it through the corporate apocalypse. Very, yeah, it's it's very bizarre because I was thinking back, um, and I know we're going to like run through the plot, but like one of the scenes that I would love to spend some time talking about is the, the early one in the hotel room. Because the juxtaposition of like insane future technology and stuff that di- was like already dead when that movie came out <laughs> is like so wild to me. I'm oh, so yeah. happy you picked up on that <laughs> like because I, I, I that's most of what I've written about is like his nice. prediction of the future is very much like what if the CRT in my hotel room also had a webcam on it? Yeah, and then what if I had to fax the code to the other side to act uh-huh. to, to like pull the data out of this like magic brain computer and before we even get into that we have because Arlen I know you'd, you'd go crazy if I don't mention the doubler when he's in the hotel and he hooks his oh, brain <laughs> hooks his brain nothing about doubler. that makes any sense <laughs> I think all. now's you as good do- of a time as any to really <laughs> yeah, just let's, kind of let's let, let's load the gun and <laughs> just get on with hell it. yes hit me hit me yes hit me <laughs> This this is this is Johnny Mem Nam Nem Nem Nominic. Hit me. The movie opens up with crawler text. That's how you know that you are in a sci-fi classic. It's in red. And a it's a it's like in a blurry sunburst, letting you know that we are somehow both in the future and in the early '80s at the same time. <laughs> it says that a new disease has taken over the world called NAS, a nerve attenuation syndrome, which is caused by something we don't know, and it's cured by something we don't know. And in the medical world, we call these new diseases. I, I, I think, <laughs> Fred, am I right here? Uh, I'm not that kind of doctor, but yeah, Fuck. <laughs> I'm gonna say yeah. <laughs> it's the whole reason I booked you. Yeah, <laughs> I-, I told you I'm Shit. I'm Doctor Movies, so you can be Mister Movies. And whatever I'm in the show, I'm Doctor Movies. Imagine you putting on that reflective head cap and complaining about the glare that you get on the screen while you're wearing it. Uh, I'm wearing like Doctor the- Mario to regular Mario. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm wearing one of those weird uh, semi-translucent lab coats from this movie while I uh, explain the <laughs> What's funny is that this movie became a Reddit phenom for a bit because it said that this happened in the second decade of the 21st century, which mm-hmm. is a prophecy, apparently. Uh, take my upvote, good sir. Have an updo or two. Well, in the in the movie, right at the beginning, the and I've got two notes about this because when you when it opens up to the internet, it says internet dash twenty twenty one. So it's literally Which is right so now. great. It's so great. I mean, just <laughs> so, purely from a meme standpoint. I mean, it's fantastic. It is so funny, especially the way internet hangs on the screen for like five seconds, and then it's like twenty twenty one. Also, yeah. ultimately, like, showing us this sweet internet thing is, like, completely unnecessary. It's just, like, the internet. It's pretty cool, guys, right? <laughs> like, because it's just delivering, like, a minor message to the main character. 
Yeah, and it's what, what, what I thought was funny about this is it shows a glowing orb that's supposed to be like some sort of parcel of data. <laughs> and all I could think about is like that that is the report that somebody made from like one of our Twitter mutuals <laughs> that just threatened a local congressman. <laughs> Making its way to Twitter admin servers. You have to like uh, b- use your cyber gloves to, to create a wall to stop that data from reaching the server to, to ban your friend. You need a firewall that is a mercury, like a liquid mercury uh, representation of your face screaming, no, my stuff is pretty that was okay (laughs) i made before we move on too far i made one other uh very funny introductory note of the movie because i feel like it really sets the tone for the rest of the movie because because the very first few seconds after the the internet scene uh it's johnny uh played by keanu reeves wakes up uh in a hotel room with this woman and the first line of the movie is that the woman goes johnny and then takes this very awkward pause and then just goes never mind And, like, the the woodenness, like, the the acting in that scene is unbelievably bad, where she, like, bails out of the room and is like, I'm going to get ice. And he goes, but we've already got... And he, like, looks over at the ice bucket. Way long, awkward (laughs) pause. Ice. (laughs) So, so right there in the first, like, 30 seconds of the movie, you're like, oh, shit. Like, I know what I'm in for here. Yeah. The, The rest of this crawler that um you know passes by because you know this is a real good movie in the way that it tells us everything mm-hmm. instead of showing us yeah that's right uh, which is, is that... funny because they, they absolutely explain all of this on screen later like none of the characters know any of it even though they live in the world yeah it's, it's so weird. There's, funny there's no is completely unnecessary yeah it's it, you're, you're absolutely right because i was thinking back to like yeah they talk about the pandemic they, they talk about all that stuff really <laughs> like there's literally a scene where the main characters ask each other, like, what about your deal? I don't get it. And then they're like, well, what about you? I don't know what a low-tech is, apparently. Yeah, it it mentions that there are a whole bunch of warring clans, like 9,000 of them, but, or, you know, not limited to hackers, data pirates, and guerrilla fighters. Mm-hmm. And they're all struggling during the Info Wars. Yeah, the Info which Wars. Which is really just more Oh, great. that, that is no unfortunate, clue. and I... I really didn't think about that until you mentioned the Info Wars, the Info Wars yeah. are currently going on. I mean, yet, yet another way that William Gibson predicted the future perfectly. Yeah, he says that corporations have teamed up with the Yakuza, who sheath their data in black ice, oh, and which the is a lethal PC virus. The Yakuza is so good, but, but go yeah. on. That's a that's two viruses for those at home who are counting. Yeah, a lot of viruses in the in this movie. Now, uh, in terms of the, the Yakuza, I'd say a lot of that is, uh, there's a lot of, like, uh, weird fear of Japanese organizations and cyberpunk stuff, and Gibson definitely, uh, definitely pioneered that. Uh, yeah. yeah I've, I've noticed that a lot, because it's always, like, scummy, crime-ridden Beijing. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> there's, I'm, sure there's the people, I'm sure there's people that know more about this than me, but from what I understand, a lot of it is rooted in... Like in the '80s, when a lot of that stuff, that stuff was written, that was when you had like tech um, exploding in like Japan and China, and you had right. like, a lot of that stuff was coming out of those countries. So I guess they just figured, 
like, well, we'll follow this trajectory, so, like, they'll all be superpowers of technology, which I guess kind of happened, you know, in a way, right? I mean, a lot of that stuff does still come out of Asia. Uh, not, not obviously in the way it's represented in these movies, but, you know, like, just right. to... <laughs> the idea was like, oh, they're going to take over. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, I like the thought that William Gibson heard that there were viruses in the computer. And then he just like remembered one time the flu came out of China and he was like, oh my God. I mean, the, the way, cause wasn't there that one, I, this is going like way forward in the movie, but like he obviously doesn't know what a computer virus is. Because there's, like, right. a bunch of scenes where it's, like, virus active, and it's, like, a cannon shooting at a guy. Like, it's completely <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. Or it's, like, Andros from Star Fox being like, don't touch my data. <laughs> yeah, and he's got, like, the laser finger hands, I mean, and he's like, pretty oh. fucking sick. If it was. Yeah. Yeah, the knives coming out of the fingertips being like, I'm gonna touch your data. <laughs> so I guess to them, a virus is just any kind of, like, an attack you can do in, in the computer, I guess. Absolutely. After this, we get that sweet 90s graphic of the internet in 2021. We love it. Which uh, <laughs> looks like the background for any Europop music video from like uh, a group like Eiffel 65. It was. It basically resembles the cover of my Trapper Keeper at the time. It's pretty sick. <laughs> it's, it is 100% Arlen's aesthetic. Like, it is, it is you on Twitter <laughs> to, <laughs> to a key. That's, that's, that's true. That's, that's why we're here. Yeah, this carries us into the hotel room where we finally get a glimpse of our hero, Keanu Reeves, Yes, who's having a real bad time. We get some cool uh, predictions of what technology is going to be like in the year that we're living in. My favorite being um, video calling through motel room CRT TVs yeah, real big that you can on, yeah. only communicate with. With a clicker. In the in the future, uh, they, they figured everybody would have net TV. That's obviously, uh, I, I don't know if you know what that was at the time, but that was actually a service that was being offered to the elderly was uh, internet through your television. You just assumed that was the future for everybody because that's so sick and convenient. What I find interesting about it is that I do think he has the prediction correct of like people are going to be interfacing with screens all the time and have screens in front of them everywhere except instead of manifesting itself as like a phone or a tablet or something like that like the way star trek did he just has it as like there's these crt monitors fucking everywhere <laughs> right you've got to assemble like 12 components to get on the internet yeah so you of, walk you know, into your hotel convenient. room and there's like a crt tv built into the bathroom mirror and you know they're just all over the place it's so funny because if you look at a movie from like 1968 you know like 2001 a space odyssey like Kubrick just got really lucky that tablets became a thing because mm. he was like, we're probably going to be able to project things from the table that we work at. And, you know, like people would be like, damn, he predicted the iPad. It's like, no, not really. He was just kind of like just putting screens and stuff. So it's really funny seeing that like the product of the times were like the fattest, heaviest TVs physically possible. <laughs> really, there's just going to be a translucent, a translucent section of your bathroom mirror that probably has a camera on it, and there's just nothing you can do about that. I'm sorry, it's the future. <laughs> right. I, I mean, that's that's pretty much where we're at now, right? Yeah. I mean, the only difference <laughs> is that it's not because there are right. Isn't that that um? What's that like exercise mirror thing called? That doesn't that actually work that way? 
Um, oh, yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah. Is that really a thing? I, yeah, I it's like... There's it, an exercise mirror that records you? That's yeah, kinda, it's like a mirror, and you can, um, you can sign up for... <laughs> it's kind of... Uh, what's that that bike thing? It's, it's kind of like that... Oh, um, like the Peloton? Yeah, it's like a Peloton, um, and it'll, like, project the instructor onto your mirror, and I guess send the footage of you to them so they can correct your <laughs> really form and stuff. It's like a whole... It's, yeah. it's so invasive. <laughs> Heard you were talking shit, Fredo. <laughs> oh, no. It'd be a real shame if we brought this video up to your followers. Oh, no. That video of you just squatting right after a shit. That would be horrible. Happy. That would be very bad. <laughs> um, this cuts to the streets of Beijing, <laughs> where protesters in masks are protesting something. Like, like damn, they... it's like the writers are from freaking 2021. Am I right, guys? Can I, I get an upvote? I mean, yes, but I wasn't sure, <laughs> because you do see the mask, so I wasn't sure if, like, is this about the disease, or... So he it is, is walking completely carefree through the middle of this, by the <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah, like, that people is are just funny. punching each other. Cops and protesters are clashing, and he's just like, well, this is inconvenient. Well, he, <laughs> yeah, just, he just comes walks up. completely through the middle. <laughs> Literally like the most American like... suburbanite approach you could do, which is just breaking a protest line because you're like, I want to go to the hotel with the fishies in it. Which, <laughs> I, I suppose, um, to, to try to give this movie some credit, I'm assuming that's an intentional decision to show you the kind of person he is at the beginning of the movie. I, I will sense, say that know? that is definitely the kind of character that they're trying to paint him to be. There's a yeah. big speech much later on that, that basically... Yeah. Which I love, yeah, yes. Okay. I want my Best scene in the movie. <laughs> sure, it's London speech, yes. <laughs> good um, so, so it very much is about the virus, because um, there's a, another glimpse of the crowd that happens, and one guy's holding a protest sign that says, Stop Naz Now. Oh, well, there we go. Which, um, <laughs> amassing in a large group for a protest is very much how you stop a disease that spreads via coughing. Keanu shows up to a place where he is getting 320 gigs downloaded into his brain, <laughs> which I imagine oh. when this came out, this was probably the grand total of all data in the world multiplied by, <laughs> right. like, 12. Like an astronomical amount it is less than my Xbox holds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you could literally do this for, like, $30 on, like, a Western Digital mobile passport. I have no idea why it has to be in his brain. Like, honestly, like, I know that's the whole plot, but, like, really, he could just swallow a USB stick and yeah. probably yeah. get the same effect. Literally, like, wrap a USB stick in a balloon and put it in your butt. I'll never find about it. That, I was thinking about that as well, and the only thing I could think of, because they even have, because remember when he makes the copy, they're like, destroy the original, and then the original they destroy is like this tiny disc, so I was it's like... It's a GameCube disc, yeah. Yeah, it was I like... Mean, not you, literally, <laughs> but yeah. It was like, yeah, one of those old Sony, I think Sony mini discs were around back then, whatever mm -hmm. it is, the... But it's like, well, you couldn't find a way to smuggle this disc. But then it does show that when he gets to, um, I forget the city he's he's supposed to smuggle it into. Uh, but he goes. Oh, I, I know what it is. It's uh, Newark. Newark. Thank you. It's, as a resident of New Jersey, I, I would like to say uh, Newark has apparently not changed as a... <laughs> uh, since the last time I saw it. They, they didn't even need to do any stage design there. It really looks like that. Uh, yeah, right. they've they done almost nothing. Uh, but but in that scene, they do have that thing where he goes through the scanner and then his like brain implant, I guess, has some spoof on it to say that it's like for dyslexia. So maybe right. they got machines that. W but like you said, it's like well, he could have probably just swat. Like if they've got that technology, I'm sure they could find some way to put it on on a chip that doesn't have to be in your brain. It, it's it's like a weird. The more you think about it, the less sense it makes. It's, it's, we're yeah. getting a little Dr. Fredo about it, I have to say. Uh, All right, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
You mean you mean Doctor Movies, all right? Yeah. <laughs> Keanu gets this whole download into his brain, um, which the, the the stakes of this are: if you've overcapped your storage capacity, it'll start to corrupt, and then you will uh, start to feel real bad. Which the way that they showcase this is by Keanu ripping off the helmet and almost shitting himself during a nosebleed. <laughs> so good, like. <laughs> He's all sweaty and is like, Jesus Christ, I need to go to the toilet. And I, and I, and I also don't even get, it's like he uses the doubler uh, to upgrade his capacity from 80 gigs to 160 gigs. And then right, of course. This, right. And then this files 320 gigs. And the guys, for some reason, right, I guess for the audience's benefit, explain to him that like, just so you know, if this is more capacity than you have, you'll, like, die in two days because of synaptic leakage or whatever. And then he just goes, no, it's fine. I can't... <laughs> Even though he knows he doesn't have enough storage space. So it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, know. if this is more storage space than anybody is capable of, like, normally, why are they just like, so you can do this, right? Cause yeah, and he's can. just like, yeah, no problem. It's, it's, totally, I, it's totally fine. <laughs> if you don't have enough space, you can just shove more information in and you'll just begrudgingly hold it for longer is how yeah that's the way it works storage works yeah it's like how when you put twice as much space twice as much data on your hard drive as it can hold it will just hold all of that space fine for like two days and then explode yeah because hard drives are disgruntled workers that'll do whatever you (laughs) want it's the way they'll do it with a big old frowny face (laughs) it's yeah it's very funny and and i guess right like kind of reading between the lines i guess it's like that was supposed to be his last big job, so he didn't want to say no because then he would have had to do more jobs. Because there, there is a little bit in the room where the guy that gives him the job, he's like, "I said I wanted out," but they they want to charge him more for the surgery to get his memories back. Very ridiculous because he he had to like give up part of his brain that has long term. Well, speaking of Doctor Fredo, that's not how brains work, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> he had to give up his like long term memories so he can't remember his childhood, and that's the sacrifice he has to make. Uh, in exchange for letting his brain do this, like, magic brain hard drive thing. Um, after, like, almost shitting himself, yes. he starts doing <laughs> this weird Tai Chi in the mirror, um, yes. which is really funny because, um, you know, after I did my very extensive research of Googling Johnny Mnamnik release date and Matrix release date, it turns out that this movie came out four years before The Matrix. Yep, right. And I really like to think that the Wachowskis saw the scene in the bathroom and were like, what if instead of trying to avoid shitting himself during a nosebleed, he was stopping bullets? That Interesting be, thought, right? That would be I would incredible. like $150 million, please. If that turned out to be the case, that would be incredible. If they were inspired by that ridiculous scene. (laughs) This movie really did feel like the worst possible version of The Matrix. So I I wouldn't doubt that the Wachowskis saw this and were like, yeah, I I, I could do this way better. It's kind of amazing they're so (laughs) close because the quality uh, between the two is so vastly different. Uh, Just acting, script, technology. uh, Keanu's much better. Uh, it's, It's amazing. Honestly, it, I don't it, know. it is weird. If, I don't if know what you saw in those four years. it, you're you're absolutely right. If you saw it out of context, you would think this movie was like ten or fifteen years before, uh, before the Matrix, it's, not like a few years apart. I I've been watching a lot of movies from like you know eighty eighty four to eighty eight, um, and it, this comes across as as a movie from that era. Honestly, yeah. it comes across as something a little bit older than it actually is, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. We finally get our stakes, which is um, 
Like an unnamed Chinese businessman with a fire whip that can rip people to shreds I because love, they were watching cartoons as adult men. I love Such his, cool his laser thumb garrote thing that can just kill anybody, can cut through anything. So instantly. funny. It cuts them clean and cauterizes it. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it's like a flailing lightsaber. It's amazing. It's wonderful. <laughs> they manage to kill everyone but the main hero, because you know this is a movie from the mid-90s, yeah. and our beautiful boy Keanu manages to make it out, but they learn exactly where he's going, which is the free city of Newark. <laughs> free city, right. Newark. Two phrases I'd never expect to hear in the same <laughs> sentence. <laughs> I was, they learn where he's going because they go up to one of the like nerdy programmer guys in the room and they're like, where is he? And the guy just immediately folds and tells them everything. Oh, yeah, he, cut his he got his hand, hand cut off. off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right, because he's trying to burn. He, he's trying to burn the um, image, the the password image that they had to fax to Newark. That very slowly, <laughs> that takes three minutes to go through the fax machine. <laughs> right. God, what a blessing. I love Incredible. early sci-fi. Incredible. A, a whole lot of exposition goes on. Just more of what we know. Which cuts to the nightclub at Jabba's Palace, it looks like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, when this movie came out, it was only 35 years away from the time that it was depicting. Like, what What kind of world did William Gibson think that we were going to be well, 20, living in? 25 years. I mean, right. like, I, I get the whole society decay element, you know, like, uh, trash being in the streets and being smog-covered. Because, like, we've all lived in the same exact government that's actively encouraged this kind of behavior. But chainmail crop tops? Operatic death metal? Yeah. Yeah, yeah the operatic death metal is extremely confusing, first of all. But, but uh, yeah, for, for these things to have started happening, uh, like, like, society would have started, had to have started changing five years in the future from when the movie was released. Yeah. You know, at, at the very least. Like, things would have had to immediately take a dramatic turn for society to somehow end up this way 20 years from then. It is a very peculiar, because, like, some of the characters are just dressed in, nor- like, Keanu Reeves is wearing just, like, a normal suit, and a bunch of the characters are wearing normal suits. And then you've got, like, yeah, the chainmail shirt, or all the people with, like, the, the that gradual face paint like very mad max looking characters yeah yeah very much so yeah it's this odd juxtaposition of like half the people are wearing just normal modern clothes and the other half have on these just wild like yeah cyber club outfit things (laughs) like i can't even really they are trying to depict like kind of a uh two societies kind of thing with that i will say uh you know, like, yeah, uh, I guess that makes sense. That like the upper a wilder all, punk yeah. cyber culture, and then you know the the straight laced uh, city culture. That does make sense. A girl in this nightclub gets weirdly slut shamed for being a robot. I I don't know if that's the right term for what happens to oh, yeah, her. Implants. Yeah, she's got like cyber, uh, Deus Ex style cybernetic implants done. Well, no, I'm not going to say who does them because that's that's such a good that's such a good twist. It's a great reveal. Yeah. <laughs> But, like, here during the scene, I I really hated this scene. Um, One, because of, you know, what they say to her. But two is uh, the open mouth kissing, like, lizards. Yeah. When I (laughs) saw that, all I could think about is how that room must have smelled. Oh, God. It's it's really a Jabba's Palace kind of situation, though. (laughs) You damaged goods, bitch. Spider-Man jacked you up, all right. Jack rubs the tight, she shakes. I cannot use you, not for muscle. 
ever considered something a little less actively physical? Like on your back, babe? Yeah, ooh. On your knees. Um, trying to detox my brain from this, uh, you know, I d- stood up and did a pace <laughs> around my apartment. Um, I, so we end up getting what I would argue is the reveal of the century, uh-huh. which is that Keanu is being stalked and peered at by a dreadlocked man with an anarchy symbol in the middle of his forehead, so who is played by Ice-T. None other than <laughs> so the good. himself. Very early uh, Ice-T. Uh, Damn! So you're telling me that that guy over there has data in his brain? <laughs> before, yeah, before he even had that. Yeah, this was like, did he do? I'm trying to remember when Tank Girl was. That was was that before this? Oh, that's an excellent question. It had to be roughly the same time. Yeah, this this was like you know sinewy body count era ice tea. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is like he he has like. He's got, like, the dreadlocks and the anarchy symbol on his forehead, but uh, refused to take off his mustache and goatee. Yeah, yeah, he's still... <laughs> Which I point out his name is J-Bone. J-Bone. Is Which is really exactly J-Bone? what a, yeah. a white middle-aged man would name him. <laughs> J-Bone. Your name's gonna be Stab Dog. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, I, man. But I love his character, and this continues... This, this uh, I'm not sure if this starts or continues. Definitely continues the trend of... Uh, people who you know other people like but aren't necessarily suited for acting oh uh, acting in this movie <laughs> dude that does yeah. remind me so so we, we sk- there was a scene we skipped over that i want i want to go back to because it's, it's not really that relevant but like in between there's a scene where the the mob guy with the the laser thumb thing reports to his boss and I didn't realize it the first time I watched the movie, but his boss is played by Takeshi Kitano, a.k.a. Beat Kateshi, like, legendary Japanese actor and director who was in this oh one American movie for, like, 40 years. And he did another one, like, way late. I think, um, now I can't remember, but he was in something else, like, way more recently. But he had, like, a 30-year period where he did one movie in America, and it was that. God. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how much money they threw at him to do it. I have no it idea. It had to have been colossal. Right? I mean, yeah, he was uh, he cuz he was he was a big I mean, this was coming out like Takeshi's Castle had been big like um a little oh, bit Takeshi's Challenge was a thing too, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Takeshi's Challenge. I mean, he he was in the middle of directing stuff and he directed that Zatoichi remake a little bit after this I and mean, he was like a big big deal. And they bring him in in a role that is, like, so insignificant you would forget the character was there almost. And he acts extremely well in it, too. He's, like, the only good performance. Uh, I would say that the second best actor, and I don't know if it's a spoiler to reveal this, is Dolph Lundgren. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Which doesn't say great things for, like, the other acting, Uh, but, but he is phenomenal. I love yeah. him in this movie so much, but yeah, let's uh, let, let's <laughs> let's keep. So things just going. to recap, yes, <laughs> just to recap, the premise of this movie so far is that Keanu Reeves is carrying some sort of corporate data in his brain that is too much for his brain to hold, mm-hmm. but angrily is holding on to it and causing him pain. Mm-hmm. And his buddy, who sets him up for data transfers, for some reason, set him up to get got by the people who own the data. So naturally, he has to team up with a girl who got pseudo-slut-shamed for being a robot in a sex club. <laughs> yeah, that's Am I that's right all, so far? That's about right. Um, and yeah, then Ice-T and other people show up. But yeah, that's a pretty good synopsis, I would say, of the first uh, 30-ish minutes of this movie. <laughs> Great! 
Because it makes sense. <laughs> Keanu and the hot lady get away, uh, where he immediately has a mental breakdown yeah. because his brain is too filled with pictures of tricycles, it yeah. seems. That's right. <laughs> it happens to the best of us. But we've got our bonding thing now, which is, you know, money. Specifically the promise of $50,000. And I'm, I'm telling you, man, there are very few things I wouldn't do for $50,000. So I get why she's being so aggressive here. <laughs> it is it is very funny because I think it's that scene where the guy betrays him and they're about to, like, freeze his head and cut it off. And then she just bursts through the ceiling and he's like, I'll give you $20,000 to save me. She's like, make it fifty. <laughs> Yeah, she does it with like a rapier too, <laughs> yeah, like, like a Frenchman's like she, poking sword, <laughs> which you would think would be like her signature weapon for the rest of the movie. But she literally just like tosses it aside, and you never see it again. <laughs> yeah, it, that's exactly. I I thought the same thing, right? That it's like this obvious signature thing, and then it's just gone forever. Five seconds later, it's so good. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, so I guess her thing is like she's she's like a Tifa Lockhart, and she just beats the shit out of everything. Yeah, because she was supposed cool to gimmick. be in in that scene where she gets slut shamed. She was trying to be like the bodyguard of that guy that she. So I think she got enhancement so that she could be like a some kind of I don't know mean streets uh, bodyguard. They, they like mentioned she's super, like she's super fast. She's, like, super fast or something, but you only see it in the scene where they're escaping, and she just beats the shit out of that one bodyguard exactly. Yeah, and like yeah but she's to supposed to have, yeah, still... physical enhancements or whatever, yeah. That scene where she saves Keanu is probably the best summation of this movie, which is that this movie is the collection of, like, 10,000 ideas that all do not mesh well together. Right. Like, it's a bunch of good ideas... But stringing them together is just like a pot of uh, ingredients that, you know, it's like, I'm going to put some sweet in here and some salty and some bitter and some, ah, shit, yeah. I've made something that tastes like motor oil. It, it's, a, it's a huge throw everything out there, for sure, type of movie. It's, I think a lot of it is like trying to establish like neuromancer universe stuff. And, you know, that's, that's where you get tripped up in these things. Yeah, there's a whole, there's like decades of legwork Gibson had probably done before this. That he's like, all right, so what you do is you just throw out every idea and then we can build off of them. Uh-huh. And then you make Johnny Mim Nom 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 Nick, and then people go, yeah, none of this makes sense. I don't want any more of it. God, I wonder, do you think that that was like, oh, yeah, we're going to use Johnny Mnemonic to like set up the William Gibson cinematic universe and a bunch of these characters would come back? I, and... <laughs> well, I don't want to say that specifically because I don't think that was really a concept at the time, like the extended universe thing. Um, but... Yeah, that's fair. But maybe some I, sequels. I do, I do think it was meant to establish like a William Gibson like presence in movies, and uh, that did not work out for some reason. Yeah. Keanu decides that he's done doing this type of thing for a living, and says that he wants to get online. And the way that <laughs> yes. he does this is by putting on a VR headset, I love this with so gloves, much. and calling China. I'm sorry, I have to point out here that one of the things he requests is an iPhone. Yeah, he, uh, dude, I is, wrote this down on my notes. He asked for a Thompson iPhone. Uh, it is, however, I, I did look this up specifically. It is an EYE uh, phone. Are oh. you serious? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like serious. very ad busters. No, you're right. I actually wrote down, a, because there's this scene where he gets on the computer and he's asking the girl for, like, bring me, like, and it's this list of stuff, and it's just a, a Sinologic 16 with data gloves, the Thompson <laughs> iPhone, just these, these, like, made-up pieces of technology. Could you imagine having to get online and post like this? 
Like you put on your posting <laughs> visor it. and your I harassment would've... gloves. Yeah, that's And you tell <laughs> James Woods that he allegedly. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> like, uh, that scene of him using the computer and wildly gesturing, like, opening and closing boxes and swinging is just just the, mo- the most, like, Minority Report kind of did the same thing, but they, they made it look less ridiculous that it's like, well, this is a lot more effort than just using a mouse. So wh- why would technology evolve in a way to make computers, like, harder to use <laughs> like more physically taxing to do things. <laughs> yeah, the, the the thing that I got from this, it, but like it's like kind of my grand theory is whoever directed this movie almost did a Kubrick uh, to Tom Cruise a la Eyes Wide Shut treatment, where it's almost like they like wanted to tank Keanu Reeves's career, <laughs> so they made him do play pretend time and an Oculus Rift. <laughs> because what's funny is they're showing like how the gloves interact with this world, and it's like pretty interesting. I mean it. It looks a lot like the VR stuff that we have today and the way that you, like, grab things by, like, you know, putting together your pointer finger and your thumb to, you that know, do the grab command. But it right. cuts back to him at the desk just looking like a maniac. <laughs> <laughs> just being, like, kind of wildly gesturing, pulling things towards himself. Yeah. yeah, he's yeah. Activate pulley.exe. And he's, like doing the mime trapped in the box thing <laughs> yeah the exactly. when he's like trying to i guess he's supposed to be like digging into menus and it's him gesturing like he's opening a box and pulling another box out of it like, it's so over funny over <laughs> oh god and then as hard he as runs the into in the, this entire movie yeah it's <laughs> it's wonderful and then when he runs into the um the the andros guy in there and he like lifts yes. his hands over his head <laughs> yeah, and he had daggers out of his fingertips, and he was like, let me touch your data. <laughs> I'll crash this whole server, man. <laughs> what are you doing? Making a long-distance phone call. Beijing Hotel. Beijing selected. Access denied. Access granted. Hotel Beijing selected. General account selected. Fax charges 32571, 15 January 2021, Salem, 15 p.m. to 11.30 p.m. Yeah. It was so funny when the guy's like, no, don't take down my forum. This is my livelihood. Well, you know, that's reasonable. I mean, you have no idea how long it took me to become a moderator here. Yeah, I mean, you know, if so- if somebody threatened uh, that on my uh, Twitter account, I don't know, they-, they could probably pressure me into doing some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining Jigsaw being like, do you want to play a game? You're going to have to threaten the Secretary of Commerce (laughs) if you want to keep your account. Uh, Fredo's just sweating heavily. (laughs) I diagnose you with... uh, uh, Jigsaw's looking at him, he's like, ten seconds. He's got one of those like uh, giant like uh, mouse like giant metal mouse trap contraptions. Instead, instead of ripping my head off, it like hits the delete account button. <laughs> <laughs> it's after this that we get another phenomenal reveal, which is that Dolph Lundgren this is a uh, Southern Baptist pastor of I sorts. Love this, holding so a crucifix and <laughs> is kissing the little Jesus on it. Yeah, he's like a cyborg assassin who just mentions Jesus a lot. 
he's, yeah. this crucifix sword is so cool. Like, it's just such an elaborate, <laughs> like, obvious video game gimmick. I, I love it. It's like straight out of um, Castlevania or and something. Like, he would have been a mini really boss is. in that. He is... He is wonderful. And, like, I, I know I like to do my joke of, I, I like that old SNL bit with John Lovitz where he's like, acting, thank you! And, like, Dolph Lundgren is so that in this movie, but it's absolutely <laughs> the right choice. Like, it's perfectly suited for what this movie is, and he is wonderful for every second he is on the screen. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely impossible to follow the movie during this point because they've just thrown so much new stuff at you but just to you know quickly truck through this Keanu finds out what's in his brain which is not QAnon adjacent which I thought it would be but he doesn't have time to celebrate knowing what's in his brain before the baddie that he's been traveling with catches Naz or what they're calling the black shakes shakes. (laughs) which comes from I'm not kidding society that's right we got too much (laughs) damn society folks it comes from (laughs) all of the technology around them and this is explained to him by mr movies do you want to drop this reveal oh please say it please say it (laughs) no you get this one you've built it up i'm gonna i'm handing you the the dynamite box with the handle already up (laughs) i'm gonna pull that plunger like bowser's castle right here oh my god Uh, it is explained to him by spider the cybernetic doctor um who is incidentally played by the one and only henry rollins (laughs) so good (laughs) heavily tattooed i love it so much it's so Um, good the speech he gives here is incredible it's because unbelievably it's so society, good. man. Like it's a Joker speech. I love it. It's it, it really is. It's straight out of like, you, you, what happens when you take one guy and society treats him like garbage? Like it's just that, but the computer version. It's all of this around us, man. But we could get rid of it, but people just refuse because they love it so. It's, it is now. I want to point out his work seems to be exclusively in the realm of like technology, and machines. Yeah, uh, he installs technology into people like he is largely uh, part of the problem. But Arlen, he explained before in a throwaway line that his shit is clean. Yeah, <laughs> it does not. That seem is to a be. classic drug dealer <laughs> yeah. line. He's like right. the technology I use doesn't do this for some reason that is never explained. But all the rest of it. <laughs> Let me tell you something, so you get this straight. It's not my work that got her this way. My work is clean. Besides, you don't get this shit from amp jobs. That's just a myth. So what does cause it? What causes it? The world causes it. This causes it. This causes it. This causes it. Information overload. All the electronics around you poisoning the airwaves. Technological fucking civilization. But we still have all this shit because we can't live without it. This then cuts to Dolph Lundgren's character, just kind of seen in a security camera, which is incredibly funny. Like, he's literally dressed to look like a caveman who is also Moses. Like, he's hunchback, curve cane, and all. Yeah, he's got the <laughs> He's got the, the robe over one shoulder. It's great. Yeah, he's doing stuff anywhere from, like, smashing a guy's liquid nitrogen frozen hand to just getting hit by a car because he forgot to look both ways before crossing. And, and by the way, <laughs> I, I made a note here because one of, the, one of the best laugh lines in this movie is when he dunks that guy's arm in the liquid nitrogen and shatters it, which he does because he's trying to get information on where, like, Keanu is, he goes, he goes, oh, man, why'd you have to do that? 
that's, that's his reaction to having his arm destroyed. Like, why'd you go and have to do that? It's yeah, it's like a robot hand or something. But like, a lot of goo comes out when he breaks it. So. Yeah, I love that he screams in pain after his fist gets shattered. Like he would be able to feel anything after that. Yeah, it is. It right. is really weird too because yeah, it, it does seem like it's a normal hand with just. Because there's obviously flesh inside it. I don't know if they just didn't think that through or they wanted to have some blood or what. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta raise the stakes and give people stuff that they know. Like liquid nitrogen freezing their hand and then shattering it with a hammer, which makes green goo come out. Like all human hands do. Speaking of which, this is just a throwaway note about this movie, but like... There are a whole lot of, like, out-of-nowhere, really brutal, instantaneous deaths in, in this movie of, like... Oh my yeah. god, yeah. <laughs> People just... Like, in the first scene where you actually see Ice-T and he's, like, hanging off the balcony with that other guy, and the other guy just gets shot in the head, killed instantly, and he plummets, like, 300 feet to his death. It's like, very weird. There's there's definitely, like, a streak of the low-techs actually being, like, pretty incompetent overall, and I don't, I don't know what they're trying to say there. Uh, there's plenty of times <laughs> where people just... Low techs just get murked, like, randomly yeah, all the it's, time. Yeah, it's wild. And there's so many, like, just two-second scenes of somebody getting, like, an arrow through their throat or just some... Or, uh, <laughs> or whipped I, in half. Ripped like, in like, half with the laser whip, yes. Yeah. Cut into threes like you were slicing ham. Like, it's, like, unbelievably brutal in the scenes that it chooses to be. And uh, Ice-T has that weird gauntlet that shoots out a spring-loaded knife and he, like shoots that cowboy guy in the chest. He's just like, so cowboy guy <laughs> Our doctor, who at this point in the movie looks like a porn extra with fake glasses and an enormous upper body. It's so yeah, good. It's yeah, because it's like Henry jacked. dressed up as a doctor. Jacked, heavily tattooed <laughs> Henry ridiculous. Rollins, and they just put like a pair of glasses on him, and they're like, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> he takes Keanu and the baddie through a Naz treatment camp. Which looks like a goddamn COVID, am I right, Redditors? Upvote. That's oh, right, man. folks. <laughs> Upvotes to the left. <laughs> and it's here that we get the big reveal, which is that Keanu is carrying the cure for Naz. <laughs> That's right. Keanu comes out as a libertarian here because he's refusing to get it pride out of his head, which would save literally millions of lives. But he'd have a slight memory issue, and he wouldn't be able to remember anything more than three minutes old. But, like, that doesn't sound like the worst thing, because we're all, all three of us are posters, and we already go through this. Am I right, boys? Right. Brain. That's right. Yeah, he refused to help the world because um, he couldn't profit off of it, which um, <laughs> is hardly different from what we saw with the uh, refusal to unpatent the vaccines and distribute the good vaccines to the world. <laughs> yeah, and like, they obviously had a time portal into the future to be able to exactly predict. And, and you know, folks, I, I watched this very recently, but I, I even get confused thinking back to it because there were multiple phases of this because first, they tell him they could pull the data out of his head um, but he would forget stuff, and then he doesn't like that. And then I think later on they find out what the data is, and they're like, well, we could preserve the data, but it would kill you. But then he's like, well, I don't want to die to save a million people because, you know, it's not me. Um, so either either way, right, I mean, they're definitely establishing him as being, like, kind of selfish and not willing to make, you know, even, even a sacrifice of inconvenience um, so that he could live a more nice, luxurious life. Uh, which, yeah, I think perfectly reflects what's happening in the world today. <laughs> yeah. 
This cuts too. I'm not kidding. Probably the best freak out on film of yeah, all time. Incredible. Oh incredible. my god, it's so good. You know what? Cut it in. We're just going straight to See it. That city over there. That's where I'm supposed to be. Not down here with the dogs and the garbage and the fucking last month's newspapers blowing back and forth. I've had it with them. I've had it with you. I've had it with all this. I want room service. I want the club sandwich. I want the cold Mexican beer. I want a $10,000 a night hooker. I want my shirts laundered. Like they do at the Imperial Hotel. So, there it is. <laughs> what, what was your favorite part of the freak out? My favorite part has to be, it has to be the button on the end. Because I love that oh, absolutely. he's getting more and more riled up and loud and then it's it's like I guess he's trying to show oh I've exhausted all this energy and then he delivers the last line just like I want my shirts locked and he like <laughs> gestures to his shirt <laughs> like they do in like Japan they do at the Imperial <laughs> it's like such a bad it's such <laughs> yeah it's um it is a hilarious read on, on like I see what they're going for but man is it is it hard to not laugh at that Hit me. What's your favorite part? Uh, I want room service. Easily yeah. my favorite part of that speech. It's the so good. Mexican beer. <laughs> just the way he like screams that. Yeah. I want room service. <laughs> room service. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. What I love about this is this is the inner monologue of like a lot of suburban America. Like, the second that we started asking people to wear masks, like, my wife has had oh, first-hand man. experience with this because she's had to do retail and, like, face mm -hmm. the public. Um, like, people are literally like this, like, I miss being able to smell things. It's like, you literally still can. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I mean, I'm making fun of the acting, but I do think it's it's a clever scene in terms of how it's written because it shows that, like this wealthier upper class kind of selfish person after being told about like yeah there's this horrible disease and all these people are dying horrifically like you're watching this person you're with suffer these like ridiculously awful symptoms people getting murdered left and right and all you could think about is like but i want to have my nice room service sandwich and that's like a hundred percent the way people are i mean look yeah at, look at like wearing a mask getting the vaccine like people won't inconvenience themselves for like 10 minutes if it means other people living and dying because that's just how like profoundly selfish a lot of like privileged people are yeah and i don't want to go like too left twitter on this and just go like yeah that's capitalism baby but, but really is. this movie like that <laughs> what we're looking at is we're just looking at capitalism like unrestricted right yeah because like these corporations have unbelievable power the the government's completely been dissolved and i imagine all these public services that used to like clean the streets or you know house people who are homeless who are now like assassins for a low-tech um movement or whatever like, yeah. all this stuff is, like, the result of, like, the dissolution of the public state. And it's, like, what, what's funny about it is, like, of course the wealthy are going to be upset the second that um, things are inconveniencing them. Because they used right. to be the ones pulling the levers, but now only the ultra-wealthy get to pull mm -hmm. levers. And now you don't get your fancy sandwich in your hotel. And yeah. that to them is, like, you're right, things have gone too far. 
<laughs> it's like yeah, people yeah. are dying, you know, like more more uh, was it fresh meat for the grinder. But then <laughs> there you are upset that your shirt has to be washed by you. I will say that's in general what uh, William Gibson tends to do well. Is he, you know, uh, I think that's exactly what we were talking about earlier, where uh, he's predict- predicting these, the, the traffic jam and, and he's spending all his time on the car. I mean, he's really yeah. great at, you know, predicting what, what some of these side effects are going to be, uh, you know, and he's really great at, uh, I don't know, the cyberpunk genre in general that he, he basically invented. Uh, is really gets a lot of that stuff right a lot of the time, I find. Yeah, I, I think that's right on. I mean, I, I do not think it is a particularly radical or out-there read of this movie or, or most of his work uh, to see it as an end product of, you know, completely unfettered capitalism and corporations literally running and being in control of everything. I mean, it does seem like it's meant to be a cautionary tale against that stuff as as a lot of his his work is but also keanu's kind of cool but also keanu's <laughs> yeah also he's kind of cool and you want to be like i like to imagine that keanu was literally just doing an impression of like an executive producer he had to like work with one time <laughs> you know he's like i miss my ten thousand dollar a night prostitute fuck there is there is this very weird like because we we were texting about this earlier today that i at some point, because I, I think Keanu Reeves is, like, a good actor now. Like, at some now point, he, is, he yeah. got good. But he wasn't good here. And, and I don't know at what point he, like, learned to act. It's but it's like, like he flipped a switch. When was Dracula? That was 92, right? Because I think you know that it was That was around the same bad. time as this, yeah. Um, yeah, he was awful he in was Bram Stoker's in Dracula. <laughs> the, yeah. the worst British accent I've ever heard. Oh, yeah, God. awful, awful. Oi, brav. Do you mind if I take a peek at your pickled dick? You know, like, just just still doing that Cali bro impression, but also trying to affect, like, a northern London accent. It's just terrible. Like, like a famously awful accent. One of the, like, it, it still comes up every time I see, like, you know worst movie accents and stuff he would literally be on the youtube thumbnail you know like yeah it's a legendary <laughs> part with some dumbfounded look in those fucking ridiculous dracula <laughs> costumes yeah <laughs> yeah and, and i feel like this movie uh, this is maybe bold to say but i think this is like peak weird like wooden keanu that like because I, I think, think in bold. speed <laughs> Which wasn't which wasn't long after this. I think he was better in that. I think he was much better in the Matrix. Uh, the Matrix but, may yeah, have been the turning point, honestly. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Um, a whole lot starts happening after this. You know, bad guys are closing in. The goods are transported to the caring hands of Ice T to be deciphered by a dolphin with telekinesis. Like, yeah, this... I, I, I just need you guys to confirm for me, just for a second, that I'm not exaggerating at all here. The way that you explain that is basically the way the movie it, like it is. It it's is literally like that fast. The, he walks yeah. into the room and he goes, "Yeah, we got a way to do this. It's right there." And then there's this like dolphin, telekinetic like, dolphin. <laughs> yeah, Keanu's reaction, I feel, is uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Johnny's reaction is uh, pretty natural at this point to be like, "All right, so uh, we got the fucking yeah. fish. This is the plan." Yeah, yeah, which immediately melts his mind for calling him a fish. They're like, "No, he's a mammal." <laughs> That's right, the dolphin attacks him with its psychic powers. Uh, but after this, we find out the stakes that the movie have been hinging on this entire time, which is that one greedy guy who refuses to give the world the cure for Naz is all because his daughter died from it. Which is like, again, 
barely different from what pharmaceutical companies in the U.S. have been doing during COVID. <laughs> I mean, he's he's like, oh, no, I want people to suffer because, you know, my, my daughter suffered. And pharmaceutical companies are like, no, I want people to suffer because, you know what? I don't have to give you a reason. <laughs> There's a big fight scene after all this between the Yakuza, the good guys, and Dolph Lundgren, Jesusman. A quick summary is a whole lot of punching, and when there's no punching, there's whipping. Uh, kind of an accurate summation of the New Testament and the Bible, now that I think about it. But this all comes to a head when the telekinetic dolphin microwaves Dolph Lundgren's Jesus body, making him explode, kind of, causing his body to fry in the literal Jesus-on-the-cross position because he held two live wires. And I, I want this is the point of the movie that I wrote down. Thank them for making me watch this movie. <laughs> Absolute all-timer death scene. And Dolph Lundgren, as he grabs these two just gigantic cartoonish wires and is electrocuted, and his like a physical act of him just going <laughs> as he's like in the Jesus oh crucified on the cross position. It is <laughs> unbelievable. We we had Arlen. How many times did we did we rewind and watch that when we were watching this movie? Because we just could not stop laughing at that scene it was uh three or four times definitely yeah uh, it, was... It, it was amazing they do the right thing by using the telekinetic dolphin to send keanu into the internet digitized <laughs> to deliver the cure for naz to the world to hack his own brain yeah hack your own brain <laughs> <laughs> so good listen up world this is the last blast from low-tech world headquarters and believe this we're going out with a bang baby so get your vcrs ready because we got what you need we got the cure to NAS. That's right, the cure to the black shakes, and it's coming to you live from the labs up at Pharmacom. And believe this, they did not want you to get this information. So here it is, coming at you, low-tech style. And this looks like the graphics from, uh, did you guys ever play that James Bond game, that 007 on the Nintendo oh, yeah, 64? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say it looked like the Lawnmower Man, but yeah, the way the head on that model, it totally reminded me of that. Yeah, like everyone's got cone heads, and their faces yeah. look like people who have their faces kind of mushed in pantyhose. You know, that like very accurate for the time CGI capability. Yeah, because it's just a texture of a face on yeah. like a flat. <laughs> yeah, that so there's no. high tech shit in 1995, man. I mean, yeah, it kind of was, but it still, you know, it still looks hilarious. <laughs> He clones himself in the digital world using a video Double game himself. technique called Shadow Jutsu. I don't know, I'm talking out of my ass here. We're very familiar with it, yeah. Which buys them enough time to upload the vaccine to the world. It just shows them the vaccine on the TV, which is very useful. Yeah, because they can hack all the TVs, I guess. Like, it's not, it's kind of explained. It's not very low not really. tech of them, I have to say. They're called the low techs, and they don't use guns. But, like, they have a lot of advanced technology. <laughs> if you gave me the formula for the COVID vaccine and you're like, this is what you do to make it, I'd be like, all right, I, I again, I work in IT. I have no idea what you expect me to do with this. Uh, thank you for showing me the formula on my TV, man. But, like, I can't synthesize this <laughs> shit. <laughs> I mean, there's presumably someone out in the, someone else out in the world that can do it. But yeah, I mean, uh, my cynicism gets the best of me because yeah, in the real world, right, it would only be other like big pharmaceutical giants that would, of course, collude to prevent anyone from from being able to distribute it cheaply. So, yeah. And folks, that's Johnny Mnemonic. Johnny Mnemonic. Never spelled it right. I'm probably gonna spell it wrong on the SoundCloud upload. 
that's fine. I I want to point out uh, one very very funny thing with the ending of this movie because because the very end has this um, funny gag where it seems like Dolph Lundgren's um, totally burned to a crisp body is getting up and then it's oh, yeah. revealed that it's I was I was pumped for something there. I know, I me too. But then it's revealed that they're just lifting him up with a crane, and Ice T's like, "Yeah, that's just garbage. Throw him in the ocean." And that's the last <laughs> line in the scene. movie. It's Ooh. the last line in the movie, and just I think this is such a perfect metaphor for this movie. That happens. There's like two seconds of Keanu and and Dina Meyer embracing. Smash cut to the credits, and then I was watching this movie on Tubi. And I guess it throws you into another movie. So, like, three names into the credits. It smash cuts again into the beginning of Deep Blue Sea <laughs> with LL Cool J. And I was like, well, there we have it. I mean, that's the perfect way to wrap up this movie. Yeah, by like firmly little... asserting that this is what we did when we took prayer out of public schools. All right In the description of this episode, there's a link to my change.org petition to get it put back in. Yeah. I mean, I do feel bad for that, that <laughs> poor monk because his church was defunded. He had to resort to becoming a, uh, a bounty hunter. <laughs> Could you imagine a world where churches can't operate because they don't have enough money? <laughs> I know, that does seem ridiculous to imagine when you put it that way. Yeah, go to any city right now. The nicest building that's in that city will be a church. Yeah, that <laughs> There's is There's so much money in it. Well, look. Nobody bats a thousand. Gibson didn't quite get that one right. But, you know, I think he's pretty good on a lot of the other stuff. Arlen, would you recommend Johnny Monomic to, uh, uh, to, to to the beautiful viewers? Would you tell them to watch this? Would you stake your life on them enjoying it? Oh, uh, I would. Absolutely. <laughs> I've made people watch far worse than this. Um, <laughs> yes, please watch this movie. Uh, I made, Well, man, I... I uh, I have a little weekly movie thing I like to do, uh, and yes, uh, pitch it. Uh, all right, well, well, I mean, it's it's. Uh, we use a couple services. We we've used Amazon. We've used um, Netflix through the service called Teleparty. But basically, uh, we watch uh, the essence of what I describe as like tough guy movies. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. This is the best description I can give them. Uh, I don't know, like vaporwave films, what have you. Uh, movies from say 1984 to 1995. 96 or so. I think we watched a couple as late as 97. Um, just just uh, sci-fi action uh, epics, I guess. We've watched uh, what is it, Future Force and Future Zone with David Carradine. Uh, we've watched... There's a lot of fake Mad Max movies from that era out there. <laughs> yeah, serious. Land of Doom. Ooh, can, can, can I recommend one for you guys? Absolutely. I g- genuinely enjoyed this. And I've, I've been meaning to do a You Should Watch episode on this movie. It's called Turbo Kid. It's oh, on Turbo Kid's good. I've seen that one. Yeah. Oh my god, really? it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's unbelievably brutal violence <laughs> in a uh, what what I would call like a Mad Max knockoff. It is so good. That's yeah. 1984 uh, was a great year for that kind of thing because we've watched quite a few movies with cars uh, adorned with spikes crashing into each other, and that's really. That's really all I want out of a film uh, when it comes down to it. Uh, we watched Blind Fury with Rutger Hauer. Uh, amazing that was movie. a wild one. Uh, yeah. What is that a remake of, Fredo? You're familiar with the original movie. Z- Zatoichi, which, which uh, Beat Takeshi did the remake of uh, in the early 2000s. Okay. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was, it was great. Swordsman, yeah. it was It was the perfect, like, goofy uh, 
ridiculously violent action movie uh, with a snot-nosed annoying kid. Um, yeah, so I mean, uh, follow my, my Twitter account, Bad Person Club. I post at least one of those a week. Uh, if not me, our good friend Leon Scum usually hosts it. Um, so yeah, check that out, please. That's all I got there. And Fredo, what I want to go out on is, what would you diagnose Johnny Manomic as having? for personality disorders <laughs> oh boy well uh out of professional courtesy i should say that without actually uh knowing a person you know only being exposed to them in the tl uh or uh in this case a movie you can't really properly diagnose uh an, an individual uh, right. so when you see a lot of armchair psychologists doing that with like trump and stuff it's like ah, eh, that's that's not really how it works yeah, uh, I wouldn't say, yeah, I would not say Johnny Mnemonic is a Cluster B guy, um, <laughs> because I don't think he's actually sociopathic, I think he's just trained to think that way, because that's the life he's accustomed to. Um, I would assume, right, that his lack of long-term memories is part of what results in him, like, being uh, emotionally stunted and lacking. I mean, you know, I'd, I'd probably guess, uh, autistic or, or Asperger's to some degree hmm. because he has trouble manifesting emotions at the right times, uh, or appropriately or understanding the way other people think or emote to things. So I think that would probably be, uh, you know, the best bet based on what I watched. So Fredo is staking his entire career and medical license on I am this opinion? Absolutely not. I am absolutely <laughs> not doing that. Uh, but I would say... That's it for Brucci, uh, you're done. Watch the movie. I would say it's done. I'm, I'm already being fired. Like as speak. I've already forwarded um, the episode to your employer. You're good. Yeah, um, They'll agree with you. Don't I, worry. I would say um, it is objectively not a good movie, but it is an extremely fun movie. So, so I would highly recommend it to people. A cat screaming at me. Which means that this is probably time to call it a day. Fredo and Arlen, go follow them on Twitter. Their um, handles definitely will be in the description of this episode. And I just want to thank you guys again for making me watch one of the worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> yes. It's been an absolute delight, Mr. Movies. Oh, very happy <laughs> to Any, be here. Anytime. I'll make you yeah, watch I, worst I think movies we should. Yeah, I think we should just let the cyberpunk ambiance that's accompanied us this entire time to take us out to the projector. Yeah.